Welcome to Beggar's Bread, a podcast where we invite Christians and truth seekers to engage with thoughtful sources in an age of disinformation. Our name is inspired from the quote by D.T. Niles, evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Each week, we recommend a source for you, either a sermon, podcast, or video. This week, we bring you Big Word Here. And with that, this is Luke in Wisconsin, and I'm here with our co-host, Nick, in North Carolina. How's it going, Nick? Hey, it's going good. It's going good. I got my tea here. Forgot oh, yeah. what I'm drinking, actually. I'm like, I know it's a, <laughs> it's a black tea, so I'm like, it's tasty, it's sweet, but I can't remember which one I got. Oh, that's nice. I, I am uh, not I think very... it's some sort of like whiskey-infused tea. Whiskey-infused? Yeah, it's got like hints of whiskey or something like that. Like that's like the flavor profile of the tea I'm drinking. So it has, it has some good notes going for it. That sounds kind of fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's cool. I got into tea through some refugees, actually. Of course, right? Because um, I'd never been a fan of hot tea prior to this, and honestly, like every time I get sick, I drink tea with honey, thinking, "Oh, this is great. This is fine." And it's actually disgusting. I hated it. But then I had some tea from a couple of Afghan families who just put like a buttload of sugar in it and really changed how I viewed tea. And it was loose leaf, obviously. So like it really changed like our perception of like tea to a higher level. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. You said hot tea. Are you implying that you were into cold tea before that? Oh, I was implying I didn't like tea at all. So when I drank it when I was sick... I hated it, but it was the only thing that really worked as far as like incorporating honey in it, into it to help with my like throat. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wait, but do you like iced tea? Because, I mean, in Wisconsin, we don't really think about iced tea. Like, it's just not in our consciousness. It's in like a parallel universe when I was oh, in North right, Carolina. Right. It's a southern thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so like sweet tea as a concept? No, actually... That's the one thing that my grandparents will get on to my, my parents about because my parents grew up on sweet tea, uh-huh. but it was never like a staple product of our childhood. Like, oh, we might have had it occasionally. Like they were like Diet Coke drinkers for a long, long time. And so like that was kind of their go to drink. Um, and so I think somehow in the midst of their obsession with soda or that particular soda, we didn't get the sweet tea um i guess heritage you might say oh heritage and that reminds me of something (laughs) this is gonna be the corniest segue ever uh thinking about heritage some things being passed down and some things not that reminds me of our podcast episode we're recommending today (laughs) great segue yeah, I know, right? Where I, I was like, where are you going with that? <laughs> I was like, uh, iconography, or in other words, big word here, because it's a big word, at least for me. When I first heard it, I was like, what? Iconography. Um, but yeah, we're we're recommending a podcast episode, episode 68, to be specific, of the podcast Word and Table, uh, and the podcast episode is called Icons. And... Uh, I really like, I'll just say a brief, brief word here about Word and Table. I really appreciate a whole bunch of their episodes. They are a huge source for history, theology, um, just insights into how, you know, part of their kind of 
purpose is talking about the great tradition of Christian worship. So uh, they are Anglican. Uh, as you may have gathered, I uh, am involved in some Anglican spaces and Anglican church. Um, and so anyway, these folks will have just lots of information for you if you're just trying to learn about different things going on in the church, even if you're not Anglican, obviously, like, because we are not assuming everybody listening to this is Anglican. Yeah, there's just so many things historically that are fascinating. And that would be one of these topics like today. Um, yeah, no, I feel that because I think growing up, like there are certain traditions that highlight the history of the early church and subsequent, like, you know, either early church fathers and then other major theologians and church leaders or other significant figures within our faith more prominently than other faith tra- or like Christian faith traditions. And so... I do find a lot of richness within this particular podcast, especially as it relates to, like, I found a lot of insight from their series on the early church fathers because they did basically like a podcast episode of each one um, for a period of time. This might have been a couple of years ago, but, like, you can always go back through it and scroll down to kind of get a glimpse as to what content they're producing. But it is very insightful. I think it's very important to have a you know, at least an inkling or like a, a brief, maybe like, you know, minute glimpse into, as you said, the tradition of the Christian faith. Right. Well, and I mean, before I was attending a church that was uh, even talking about icons, if you mentioned icons to me, be like, what do you mean? Like, I was jo- <laughs> like Dwayne DeRock Johnson. He's a cultural <laughs> icon. <laughs> Yeah, like, definitely the same thing. <laughs> no, well, like, I definitely remember. No, I remember clearly, like learning at some point, and I don't know if it was in like middle school or high school, or even in my church setting. But icons as being like innately bad, and not understanding that there's actually a little bit more nuance to to that statement or claim, right? In the sense that, like, even like as this people that listen to this resource will come to find out during the seventh ecumenical council, they actually in a way greenlit icons um, as not being like, like we're not using them as a tool to worship like an idol. And so there's like that distinction between icon being true image and eidolon, which I think if uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, it means false image. And so they made that distinction there. Uh, I think you're right, but I don't really speak other languages. I barely speak English very well, to be honest. Um, I was saying, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I think you're right. Um, and obviously, you know, given the church's many different uh, denominations and scopes, there's plenty of people that would just be like, well, Seventh Ecumenical Council, what do they know? They might be, you know, pushing back against that. Um, I don't, I actually have like n- not a strong opinion on icons like whatsoever. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> like if someone's like, I don't like worshiping with icons, it's like, okay, sure. I get what you're saying. And if someone's like, I really appreciate worshiping with icons or not worshiping the icons, but using them to appreciate the past and understand the saints and remind of many important things, I'd be like, oh, great. Um, but there is one thing I would I would push back on folks that maybe in churches that 
like like you were in that context where like icons are bad also i don't think we ever like really defined it i don't know if i have like a great definition but kind of loosely speaking it's like um some sort of art or like visual depiction of any sort of thing events in scripture or saints or church history um so definitely talking about like a, a physical object in what we're talking about today for icons um and one thing I, I would say just to push back on folks that may say hey icons are bad um often from what i understand is there's this concern that we may be worshiping an object instead of god and i would say hey that you know i think that's a great point to be aware of and thinking about whenever you're approaching an icon in whatever context but obviously we're talking about a christian context and um and worship services one thing i will point out is if you go to a church and i want to be really careful here because my point is not to be church bashing that's really not my point it's just to try and encourage consistency if you're if the center of your stage is a worship leader when they're you know leading worship um again i don't have any problem with that personally but if you have a problem with icons that would be something to think about how are we being shaped being led by this individual like when we blow up their face on our slideshow projectors or, or my goodness that just sounded like way the wrong time for um <laughs> this projectors. How old are you again oh man very young uh projector what's mm-hmm. the word for it like a overhead and that still sounds like elementary school like when they brought out like the expo markers or whatever oh no because you framed it in this way i'm honestly blanking on what it's supposed to be called oh my gosh because <laughs> i know it's not a projector screen no it's like uh <laughs> uh like if you go and watch a movie and you put it on a a thing <laughs> Oh Man, what is it? okay? Well, we're just gonna have to roll with it. They know okay. what we're talking about. <laughs> if they don't, then they're probably you know like Gen the visual because they never had a projector screen, right? Like visual amplification device where you take a small thing and you make it a large thing using the digital technologies that we've been able to develop over many years with colors. Yeah, a lot of like low, like you can, you know, you could say like low church would have these, you know, displaying the the lyrics to the hymns or the songs that you're singing, right? Yeah. And yeah, again, I know what you're talking about. That's all that right. matters. Yeah, okay. And to be very clear, again, I don't have a problem with that. I just think if you have a problem with icons, maybe you should have a problem with that to be uh consistent to make sure you're not accidentally worshiping the wrong thing or wrong person or whatever. Um, there is actually throughout history, there's been different churches. If you've ever gone to, uh, a church, this is okay. I don't know a lot about church architecture, so there's only like a little bit of random stuff I know. Um, but like, if you go to a church that, I don't know, I'll give an example of a Lutheran church I've been to before where there's almost like this balcony in the back of the church and you can't like, if they have an organ player or some other people, like you can't actually see them. I know some Catholic churches will have this as well. And you just hear their voices or hear the instruments. The whole point of that is so that you're not distracted by the musicians, like how they look or, you know, what their expression is or blah, blah, blah. Like they're just kind of leading worship. But the whole point is to lead you into worship, not to be worshiped themselves kind of thing. So anyway, um, 
that is there's some if you want to look for some consistency there are some people that are devoted to that <laughs> so uh, and it's really fascinating stuff like if you if you've lived in like a vacuum of that particular type of knowledge right where you like you come across this information like i did like in this very brief podcast that we're referencing and it's like whoa that's a lot of information at once to take in uh if you haven't necessarily been exposed to that before but i think that like yeah it definitely ties into what an icon is and that like oftentimes the goal of the icon is to look beyond the icon to what you really should be seeing about it and i know like i want to say they talked a lot about like john damascene and how his major assertion during either the council or in other you know some more of the work that he was doing around that time he asserted that due to like jesus coming in the flesh incarnate we have seen the image of god and so like that was kind of like his argument for icons and i feel like that had a lot of influence at that time now whether or not that remains uh the case today like oh, it's still yeah. a very interesting historical like piece of the church during that time coming to a decision about iconography and like because oftentimes like i think some of the pushback at that time was you know the um judaism like there was no representation of god in images because they'd never seen god in that way and so like right. he at that time was like kind of pushing back and saying hey we now have seen him because he has come as that final revelation right yeah that's a great point um i do think there is something to distinguish you like oh man i I wish I knew more about this where I could say it with more confidence and direction, but that's fine. We'll just say what I remember. I remember taking an mm -hmm. art class at my undergrad. Well, really, I've only had an undergrad besides the other earlier years. Um, and the professor just explained the profundity of when, like in a bad way, when God the Father was depicted first in art and how contentious that was in the church and how actually that was not a very good thing. I think he was talking about, this is like very, very limited understanding, but my understanding was like, just like you said, Nick, about the Jews in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you know, we do see Jesus Christ. Jesus has come incarnate, fully man, fully God. So like he, we can depict just in the sense that like he was here among us. Um, and in the mystery of the Trinity and how somehow God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit, are all one God, three persons. Like we are like, as Jesus says, like, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So we depict Jesus in a way that is seeing the father, but also like God is spirit. We don't actually have like a picture of God, the father as like an old dude with a beard or like something like that. Like that is not, that doesn't come from, a biblical understanding of God the Father that comes from like a an artist's projection that really is kind of unfortunate because especially thinking about the Imago Dei okay now I'm really going on a rant now this is dangerous uh like men and women are made in the image of God right and so in the mystery of the Trinity again there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, with distinction of those three persons of the Trinity, but also unity of being God. And if we depict God the Father as like this man, Jesus is a man, and the Holy Spirit is referred to as a he, and I, 
I'm not sure if also with feminine language in the Old Testament, that would, uh, man, now I'm really going to get us in trouble, Nick. Um, but like humanity, both men and women are created in God's image. So if you depict God the Father as just this old dude, it, it lends itself to this kind of, oh, okay, you know, men are made in God's image, but not women. But that could lead down, oh, I don't know if I'm really speaking with great clarity. There's there's better people that could talk about this. <laughs> Gosh dang it. Um, I think it works. I think it makes sense because, <laughs> well, that's something that even the podcast that we're talking about, right, kind of went into a little bit as far as, you know, Godfather is this old man, right? Like the Eastern Orthodox tradition does not, and really, like it does not, condone that it really pushes back on that because they understand god is like timeless and in that eternal constant communion with the son and the spirit and so whenever they portray them together it's they're all the same right. like not in the like they're not all like they're the same age like they're ageless but like i'm not describing this well either but uh they uh they're not this like showcasing the father as an old man and i think that was due to something that the podcast referenced as far as um some of the imagery that we see in the old testament depicting the like trinitarian themes or tr- trinitarian like um imagery in the old testament yeah certainly the when the three angels come to visit abraham they reference that one and talking about that and then how abraham refers to them in like a singular way even though there's three of them um i would say this too just to be on the safe side if there's anything that nick or i <laughs> say that's not very clear about the trinity definitely trust word and table and they've got some episodes on the trinity and god the father i believe as well so if you're like eh, i'm not really sure what nick and luke were saying about that i would yeah just go ahead and <laughs> listen to their stuff on that as well because it's good stuff yeah i'm realizing as we're talking about these topics that I have very, like, this is very new knowledge for me, myself, right? And so, hopefully I'm saying this humbly, right? In the sense that, like, I don't know that much about these things, these topics. In the way that I can, like, vocally clarify it might not be as profound as what they're doing. You know, people that have become clergy and are doing a podcast, like, Word and Table. And, like, he's the like canon theologian for the upper midwest or something like that so like he has a little yeah. bit more rapport i think than, or you know a little bit more of a reputation than perhaps we do on these topics definitely and i think that's actually you know very much in alignment with our podcast is we are trying to recommend thoughtful resources that we trust um acknowledging we ourselves are not necessarily uh, the same authority because we're at least yeah definitely not uh, so but I did want to bring before I forget uh, I did want to bring in our co-listener um, and this is Karis from Illinois thank you so much Karis for for doing the co-listening uh, she says this word and table episode is a great introduction to the rich world of Christian iconography it provides an excellent summary of the history and explains common symbols and stylistic choices found in most icons. And excellent. There you have it. That was a, a great summary. Thank you, Karis. Um, Nick, any any other things? Any other, um, you know, theological 
pit holes that we wanted to just dip our toes in <laughs> before we go. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think, like, as far as my own personal journey goes, I am very intrigued by iconography. And so, like, I'm sure at some point in the show we'll come back to these things. But I'm learning more about these. Like, there's a particular work that I'm reading, and I believe it's called... Oh, I had it. Oh, yeah, The Art of Seeing, Paradox and Perception in Orthodox Iconography. So it's from, like, an Eastern Orthodox perspective. And so it is interesting. And there was a quote by... Uh, Father Maximus Constus that I thought kind of lends credence to what Word and Table is talking about as far as the icon using it as a means by which to look beyond the icon to truth, right? And so uh, I guess in closing out, he says that the icon aims neither to satiate vision nor to restrict it to a particular point, but to free it by confronting it with the invisible proposing to it that the boundaries of the possible are wider than they seem. So kind of keeping in theme with that, that mystery and that broader view of what we're seeing, um, I thought was really profound. That's good. Excellent. Well, that's all I've got. Thanks for that, that quote. That's, that's, that's good that you actually had it word for word. I feel like this episode has been... A prime example of me just saying stuff that maybe I should have said. So, thank you, Nick. Uh, as always, thank you guys for joining us. Next week, we will be focusing on prayer again because, you know, once a season, we are committed to talking about prayer and just continually keeping that in sight. So, next week, we will bring you Enjoy the Silence. We'll see you next week.